Welcome to episode eight of the Deep Creek Lake Area's number one podcast. I'm your host, John Bell. And as always, I'm joined by my best of buddies, the most fabulous co-host in the world, Kristen Skeevers and Mike Fenton. In this episode, we talk to one of my best friends and my personal mentor, Jimmy Rayleigh. We learn that Jimmy's family's history involves more than just real estate. We talk about his love for winter sports, some of my snowboarding trips to Utah with him, and how it's not cool to call cycling biking. Who knew? Don't worry, Jimmy. Whatever you want to call riding your bike, you're the best little exerciser I know. If you want to know the real history of Deep Creek Lake, this is the podcast for you. So sit back, turn the volume up, and enjoy the show. What's up, everybody? Mike, you literally just told me, and I already forgot. Is this episode seven or eight? Eight. eight. Is this episode eight? How's your day going? Good day? It was a heck of a day. Dude, today started <laughs> off at like 6.45 this morning, and I was like, man... It's going to be a pretty good day. Then by like 7 15, everything just went, everything caught on fire. I don't, it was one of those days that I don't, welcome to real estate. I hey. picked a great day to drop a bunch of balls. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. <laughs> there, 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 there was no way we could not drop balls. Yeah. It was literally that day I woke up and I was like, uh, hey, I'm leaving for vacation tomorrow. I've got to get a couple things done first. It's going to be easy. And then the house caught on fire. I, I don't know. It just, yeah. uh, and it's, it was negative four. It, it, was, it was cold this morning. Uh, Holy smokes. Well, anyway, welcome to episode number eight. We are here today with my good friend, my mentor. Uh, um, don't want to make his ego too big before we get into this <laughs> podcast, but uh, um, the guy who means a whole lot to me, who has taught me uh, more stuff that I can talk about over, over the past 20 years, my good friend, Jimmy Rayley. Hi, Jimmy. Hey, John, Kristen, and Mike. Great to be here with you all. So, uh, Jimmy agreed to be on the podcast. Uh, there's, there's a million things we can talk about. Um, we'll get back to that stuff in a minute, but, uh, man, you can make fun of me. Uh, I think about my real estate career. Um, when I first met you through today, it's pretty different. Um, so, uh, it's been, a, it's been a long 20 years, but it's been a great 20 <laughs> years and, uh, thank you for everything. Um, to lead into this, a lot of people don't realize, including me, how tied into Deep Creek Lake your family is. Um, it, 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 I might mess up the story, but I think, wasn't it your grandfather who was actually the guy who, so Mr. Smithmeyer, I believe, purchased Deep Creek Lake, and then your grandfather was hired to timber the lake before they flooded the lake? That was, uh, <clears throat> that was I believe that's the story. It was before my time, obviously, being the grandfather. But, uh, yeah, he had the sawmill and uh, was hired to timber portions of the lake. He took the wood out, sawed it, so it was Rayleigh Dimension Mills. And that led into a bunch of other uh, developments that he did around the lake and on the lake commercially. Uh, first Stone Tavern was uh, the first bar and tavern where the uh, 219 Bridge is. That was your grandfather or that was that your was family my, that did that? Yeah, that was the grandfather. That was the Stone Tavern. And then um, there was the McHenry Jar- uh, Rayleigh General Store. Um, probably the most notable was Rayleigh Cottages. That was back in the 40s through the 70s. They were all built by him, C.M. Rayleigh. 
I'm not old enough to remember Stone Lodge either. I don't know. Do you remember it? Was it here when you were here? Yeah, I was like probably four to six years old, something like maybe eight years old. I know in all the old postcards and at uh, our office and at Shop and Save and you're walking through the old pictures of Deep Creek. It's in all the old pictures, but I just don't, I wasn't here to see it. Yeah, um, you know, there's a lot of things that happened around the lake. Obviously, 68 when it came through and... I think that was around 65, maybe, 19... No, it was longer. I don't know when... When was 219 redone? Um, the story of 219, I know, is through my in-laws and Noel. I remember when they first built 219, Deep Creek Drive would have been 219 before they built the current 219. And when they were kids, they'd argue if they want to take the old 219 or the new 219, just whatever. So, Noel was born in 79, so... Somewhere, <laughs> somewhere after that. So I, I was thinking, exactly. it was, insert here. <laughs> it was somewhere around that, but when they widened and changed the bridge and the lanes, they, you know, they took the stone tavern away to make room for the right of ways and everything. Oh, that's so it why. was there until then, and it was, was a place to go. Somebody who's not originally from around here, and I see all these super cool old pictures. It's like if you're heading south on two nineteen. The stone tavern was on the left-hand side. Yeah, just before the bridge. And then the cottages were on the right-hand side? Yeah. Okay. And then there's another kind of—I think it's these old pictures are in the museum, too. The There was an old swimming dock because it used to be a boat launch ramp and everything, and that's basically the whole family hanging out on the dock with some friends. Your family? Yeah. Okay. So my dad and his brothers and their wives— so your, your cousin, Beverly, um, she came in and talked to me when we were remodeling the office, and she's a gem. Um, I'd love to have her on. Um, so she told me that, so the Lakeside Park was where the cottages were. Yes. And that's kind of, she said that that was a gift from Penelec, I guess, that- to your grandfather for timbering. Like, he got that slice of land as part of payment. That's what she said. Yeah. That that like that's why he had such prime real estate and it was like the only beach and it was like this great area right beside the bridge because he helped timber it so he kind of got like first dibs on on land to buy. Is that Glendalach Lane? Is that kind of where that area is? Yeah, if that would be part of it that would be the northern end of it, the southern part being the bridge. And then that, uh, I've not heard that story, but her father, <laughs> which was Bud Rayleigh or Charles Rayleigh's kind of the historian that Really does have all the facts and figures. He's passed now, but he was the one that kept kept writing and talking about all the things that his dad and did and his brothers. I didn't realize uh, your grandparents did real estate development either. I, I I knew they were timberers. I didn't know they did the shops like that. I, kind of, I thought that kind of started with your parents, but uh, I guess not. No, I mean, yeah, I mean, Charles or uh, Cecil or Slick is was his nickname. He. I mean, he did a bunch of things and right and wrong and good and bad, like everybody does. But uh, probably the coolest thing was a lot of the stone cottages around that area and the Glendalock Lane and, you know, Glendale Bridge Road State Park. There's a lot of fireplaces and old log cabins. And, like, he was the one that built the fireplaces gotcha. in all those places. So Stack the stones and yeah. stacks the stone, yeah, and everything. So, those cottages, the cool thing. <coughs> When everyone thinks about this, you know, Deep Creek Lake and tourism, you know, Rayleigh, Rayleigh Cottages was the first place you could rent on Deep Creek Lake. It wasn't Willow the Wisp or, you know, El, you know, the Heises. It was Rayleigh Cottages, and people came from, you know, Pittsburgh, Baltimore, and the same people would come back year after year. So growing up, as you mentioned, on the lake, you know, we grew up with most people from D.C., Baltimore, and Pittsburgh, and Virginia. Not necessarily people from Garrett County because 
Deep Creek oh. Lake was so far from the town seat, Oakland. Gotcha. So there was really like Oakland and Deep Creek Lake. You hung out with mostly tourists as a kid versus local people. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. We all... did find an ad. It was probably, Kristen, you found it uh, maybe through Beverly. Um, there was an ad for the cottages, and it would have been for 60s, 1960s or 1970s. Yeah, yeah 50s. Yeah. And, and it was like five bucks a night. Stay on Deep Creek Lake in the cottage. And, uh, <laughs> I remember I think one of them said, like, we have a TV. You know, like, it was, that was kind of a simple <laughs> That's beginning. That's awesome. It, you know, they were really amazing. They were all because the, the timber and everything, they saw cut it, the logs. It was all chestnut and stone. There's and, one. I think Betsy just sold it this year uh, on Glendalach Lane. Um, it it had the old cabin and built on to it. So part of those are still here. Like uh, it doesn't look like it from the outside, but the the inside still has it. Well, that one actually was called Number Seven. Okay, you so, so you you know which one it is? Oh yeah. Okay. Totally. That's- I we at some point I even ran the cottages when they were still cottages before they were Lakewood condominiums okay. and all the houses that are there. So I was going to ask if your mom made you, did you like grow up in the business? Your mom was, had you like 13 handing out keys to renters? <laughs> my mom did. Every- <laughs> Tiger claw. <laughs> um, my mom ran the business, and gotcha. she didn't. Uh, kids weren't much help. I was younger. Aww. Most of my other half brothers were off to school and things. But it was my mom, and she had a fleet of cleaning ladies, and she would hand them the keys when the people checked in and clean after they left. And you know, it was my mom, and she ran it. And it was tough. It was really cool because part of growing up, back to being with the, you know, I was always with the Kemps and the. And the other people that I remembered from the city and, you know, it was always really cool because they, they came back year after year after year. And it was, you know, it's kind of like all the, you know, the Netflix shows and everything you see on TV now and, you know, Red Oaks and all those things like that. It was really could have been, you know, Deep Creek or Rayleigh Cottages and just what you do in the summer. I know. And we research deeds and look at stuff. Your mom's name is, well, all of you guys, but your mom's name's on a lot of stuff, even deeds for developing or real estate sales. Like, um, um, she, she was a hard worker. I mean, you look back at it, her name was on so much stuff back then. And, um, I've heard a couple stories, maybe from you, or from other people. I just, uh, she would just sell houses right and left. She knew the area. And, and back in the day, I guess when that was starting, she was, she was the top dog around here. Right. Yeah. Yep. I mean, yeah. I mean, again, back in... Until you grew into your prime. (laughs) Then, you know, watch out. No, it wasn't even me. I've never been top dog around here, and it was always... You know, my mom wasn't top dog, but she definitely lived by... You know, you don't sell... You need an offer. So she was always like, we'll make an offer, or we'll sell it, or we'll do it. But, But back then, we were selling out of our living... Like, this is one thing no one realizes or not. Like, the house we grew up in, which was the cottage rental house... And then we moved into one of the units when uh, we couldn't afford to rent the cottages anymore. But out of the living room, there were two bedrooms in the back. One was mine, one was my parents, and the front was the kitchen, living, and dining, which was the office. Okay. So that's how you, you know, we started selling with, it wasn't even a copy machine. It was something, I even forget how, it was one page. third copy (laughs) shirt. Yeah, it was was something where, you know, they just had to put between two pieces of plastic and a cardboard, and then like three minutes later... The front page of the contract came out. 
Well, I've heard this too. Uh, so a lot of that would have been, I guess, on the lake in the Lakeshore Drive area. And didn't they kind of? I guess the state built the road. Didn't they kind of just develop Lakeshore Drive as they went down? Like, didn't they just start building, you know, your houses and they keep growing Lakeshore over the years? Or it's not like they just came in and put that whole road in, was it? Yeah, I, I don't know when the roads were put in, but you know, from what I can remember, born in '61, you know, we've always had roads. The funny thing, Deep Creek Drive. I remember walking down Deep Creek Drive, you know, towards the Northern Inn, which was like Walt's General Store or something like that back in the day, you know, carrying a BB gun and like <laughs> thinking I was in the middle of nowhere. Andy like, Griffith. Nobody, yeah. Fishing. yeah. I ran away from home. Pole. Yeah. <laughs> if there's That's a, so cool. If it's a funny story or not, like I ran away from home once, but like I, I came back because nobody came looking for me. I was like, well, yeah, well, everyone called us as he went by their house, stupid. Like, you know, Jimmy's walking down the road again. I guess uh, he's running away. I did that once, too, but I went to my grandfather's house. It was an adventure, too. Yeah. yeah. So, but, yeah, it was just, uh, I remember the neon. It was a really cool, you know, Rayleigh cottages, and it was really cool when we got neon and just stupid things like that that was wish you could have back today. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Um, yeah. You, uh, I remember talking to um, I, I. I've met your dad, but I didn't know your dad really well. I met your dad a couple of times, and uh, I just um, I remember bartending at the D Creek Brewery, and your dad would come in there, and uh, I don't know. Probably he's probably the one that told me about building Lakeshore Drive, and who knows if that accurate or not? Because he and I probably <laughs> had a bunch of beers while we were having that story. But uh, um, anyway, I just remember him being a great dude and, and a funny guy. Um, and the cottages on there, I don't know, we might leave this in or cut it out. Let's see. But the cottages that you're talking about, later on down the road, there was a book that turned into a Netflix movie called The Frank Olson Project. And on Netflix, it's called Wormwood, I believe. And in that book, it's a big conspiracy theory about um, the CIA doing... Watch the movie. It's great. Uh, it's really good. Um, yeah, watch the documentary. It's on Netflix called Wormwood. Or the book. I didn't read it. The book's 900 pages. It's big. I read the 22 pages about Deep Creek. So it's, it's a yeah. long book. But uh, um, So basically, the book is about a CIA agent who saw something that uh, the Bay of Pigs, the CIA, wanted to forget about. And they brought him to Deep Creek Lake and stuck him in a little cabin and did uh, LSD experimental drug training on them, I guess. And then, I don't want to ruin it for you watching the movie. But in that book, it was that the guy interviewed your dad and your dad said something like, uh, yeah, I remember in the CIA. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I don't know. Like, this all didn't happen until after your father passed away. And maybe it's rumor, maybe it's not. But I tell you what, it is really entertaining. No, I think <laughs> in the really the TV show, I think they show the bill of sale for the renting. It it says Rayleigh Cottages yeah. at the top. I don't know if it's the and, book or the show, but they actually show the cottage too, and it yeah. is yeah. number seven. Yeah, that's the one that Betsy just sold. It's yeah. the basement. Whoa, yeah, sweet. There you yeah, go. Yeah, Russell yeah. sold it too before. Yeah. he had people that had it. But well, it's pretty and, cool. Um, I think I forget the first people who bought it. Chad, they had a a mortgage company but when they bought it from us like maybe in 84 when i started developing the condos but yeah that's yeah i don't know i wasn't wasn't there but um if you're listening and if you like conspiracy theories watch the netflix uh wormwood if you really 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 like to read read the book it's just super long (laughs) yeah (laughs) but apparently it's pretty factual um, so there is neat stuff that happens at Deep Creek. So you guys have obviously been a huge part in Deep Creek yourself. You've obviously been, uh, I, I don't know, I guess icons, the right word, of Deep Creek as far as sports go. Um, 
um, the Savage Man uh, uh, Triathlon. You've done the Grand Fondo Race. Um, I know I've snowboarded with you. I can't imagine to even keep up with you. Like you grew up very at, did, actually, I got to take that back. Did you grow up that athletic or did you get into that as you got older? Well, the, the great thing and about selling real estate and why it's been so easy for me and is everything I've always told people have been true about why I lived and stayed at Garrett County. And it was the four seasons. So if you live in Garrett County and people are coming here that want to have sports and recreation, then, you know, all you have to do is be part of it and you're going to have some of the best in the world. So, yeah, I mean, skiing, water skiing, snow skiing, tennis mountain biking, all those activities, you know, were here at your, so, however you wanted to do it. And the cool thing is when you start doing it in Garrett County, which most every kid knows here too, you really don't know how to compare yourself to the outside world because it's, it's pretty, there's not that many people to compare yourselves again. So you compete against your friends and then you get really good and then you find out, oh, you know what, I do now to ski or I do now to ride a bike or something. So I've never played conventional sports against you. Like we've never played football or basketball, <laughs> but I have water skied with you. You're really, really good. Mm-hmm. I have snowboarded with you. Um, you're amazing. Biking, I can't even fathom to keep up with you leaving the parking lot. Um, so it is kind of the adventure of sports. Uh, we were, Jimmy and I actually forgot this until we were talking the other night. We had went snowmo- uh, snowmobiling years ago. And um, it's the only time I've ridden a snowmobile with you. And I think on that trip, you were like, man, I haven't ridden snowmobiles in 10 years. And you were pretty great at it. Um, <laughs> so you definitely grew up doing, you definitely grew up taking the advantage of the outdoor adventure sports lifestyle. Uh, you, you took advantage of what the area had to offer. Yeah, and it was it was a great place to be too because it it offers the best. It's still some of the best cycling, skiing, everything in, what was in the world. Wisp like when you were like a, oh, yeah. a kid in school? <laughs> Has it like changed a ton, or it's uh, pretty similar? Wisp was like you know back when I was in school. So I'm sixty, so sixty one. So you're forty five years ago. I mean. You know, the Wisp was awesome because it was in your back door. Thank yeah, Evelyn. Right. Thank, I mean, Helmuth and the whole Heist family. I mean, it was, it's amazing that that's here. But saying that, it was also like trying to ski with a flashlight, you know, tied to your toboggan because <laughs> there was like six lights coming down the face and it was, you know, just boilerplate ice. So if you could ski here, you could go anywhere and be a great skier. So, I think that's true a lot on the East Coast. I didn't realize yeah. it until I got older. But uh, the saying is, if you can ski on the East Coast, you can ski anywhere. Yeah. And it was if you so grow icy up today. Here, yeah. <laughs> it was awful so today. Yeah. yeah, I mean, if so, you're yeah. just a beginner, you can ski anywhere in the world if you can ski it here. So. It's kind of neat. I just listened to an interview with Karen Myers uh, a couple of days ago. And in her interview, she was talking about the Heist family. And they had, I guess, Will of the Wisp, as we know it now, is a big hotel. Will of the Wisp, back when your parents were developing their cottages, was just cottages, too. And a comment she made was uh, the Heist family did not plan on opening the ski slopes. They said they just couldn't afford to keep the cabins open. There just wasn't enough rentals in the wintertime. So he had went to a convention or something. He goes, oh, well, I'll open a ski slope. And I think that's literally how the ski oh slopes gosh. got their beginning. Um, hmm. It wasn't on that interview, but it's a, it's a lady I'd really like to interview. I'm trying to get on the show. She was kind of giving me a history of the Deep Creek. And she was telling me that it was a guy named Skeeter or something who took a motor out of his truck and they made the first Palma lift out of it. And uh, I, don't, I don't know. Like, I just think it's funny. Like, the, the Wisp for what it is now is this great, big, huge, nice ski resort. 
It started with some dudes cutting down a tree and making a lift out of an old truck motor. <laughs> that's literally how it started. Well, Skeeter Bowman. Who, Is that, that's yeah, a guy? That's, okay. That's, that's, a, that's Skeeter Bowman. And whether he got the car engine and put it up, however they rigged it up, and they used the, um, not the wheels, the, uh, the rims. Okay. And then they just took the rope. And then ran a rope around the the engine, and the rope kept spinning. So, how many people died? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, good, the, Tiger claw. The EPA didn't exist back then. Definitely, it was like one ski day per. You know, your gloves lasted a day because of the rope. Oh, the yeah, the pom- oh, it was so a rope toe, not a pama. I've ridden rope toes before, yeah. so I'm I'm thinking the one you hook between your knees and it pulls you. No. You're talking actually, you have to grip on it. it. First, and you were going to ruin your gloves, and you didn't have great gloves back then. People, you probably did, they didn't make them. And if you can imagine, you know, whether it was two hundred feet long and how heavy a two-inch diameter piece of rope is. Oh yeah. So it buries itself down into the snow or in ice, and then you got to kind of dig it out and grab one and take off. It was long before the magic carpets that are over there now. Wait, I learned with the rope toe. They still had a rope toe on the bunny slope, which is where the terrain park is now. They saw that when I was a kid learning, and I've burned gloves, and you flip over the side, (laughs) and your mom's yelling at you, and you can't squeeze tight enough to get up to the top. But But now they have, what, that thing that comes behind your butt? Well, uh, there's that, that, and then they have, like, magic carpets now that are, like, rubberized, and your skis just Well, that's on the actual bunny slope, but on the terrain park, they have the little, right? What are those things called? It goes, like, yeah, you, like, Hook it behind your butt. Trust me, I'm I'm as green as it gets. Yeah, it's like it's like a T bar. They you just hook it behind you. Okay. In 40 years, people will be like, "Man, remember that carpet you had to stand on and take it to the top?" (laughs) But it is so much easier. There is a feeling of accomplishment. Like we all started there, and you're a kid or whatever old you are, and you finally make it to the top without falling, and all your buddies fell. And I mean, it it is kind of fun. (laughs) Yeah. The the magic carpet thing. I did that with Natalie a couple times. My daughter when she was growing up. And it, it is amusing. People still fall off of it all the time. It's not that hard, but people still fall off. Yeah, that's <laughs> hard to say. But, I mean, you know, yourself, you've gone to Park City and skied oh, around yeah. the world and, like, because you started at the Wisp. No, 100%. And, yeah. um, I think about it all the time. Um, um, where was I? Um, it's not called Squaw anymore. Alpine Meadows, I think I was at. And um, I was at Alpine Meadows last year, I think it was, and I sent you a picture or a video from the top <laughs> of... Uh, some bowl up there and uh, it was something I could have never imagined I snowboarded down and uh, there, were, there was two reasons I sent you that video is uh, one I thought you'd like to see it and two I was really nervous so I was giving myself <laughs> 10 minutes before I went down and uh, no and then I'm I'm a I don't know, uh, intermediate snowboarder at best, but uh, growing up here, I was able to hang out there. Um, now here's a big difference. Uh, I remember uh, going out to Park City with you and Lee a couple of times. And uh, those guys, once you guys get there, you just get so much better so fast. Like, uh, it was it was amazing to me. Like, I was able to hang with, with your son Lee out there, but I couldn't keep up with him by any stretch of the means. Like, uh, um, he lived here for a long time, started snowboarding here, and he went out there for a couple of years. And his ability level just got, and yours too, you guys just got, it's just bigger. Um, it was I just remember thinking, wow, these guys are really good. <laughs> yeah, it happens fast. You know, Lee was nationally ranked in snowboarding. And, um, yeah, it's just so much more forgiving and better conditions and warmer and sunnier. And, you know, it's just great. I mean, oh. there's a story I have with John. And you can edit this, edit this out We're later. We're leaving it in. <laughs> you already know where I'm heading. It was probably 15 years ago. About that time, John and Mike, our other partner, came out, and uh, we're all riding the chair, and it's a beautiful sunny day, and, you know, it's just everything you could ask for went right, 
you know, and, and we're sitting there and John's, oh, hey, by the way, I'm getting married and having a kid. <laughs> <laughs> and, I'm, and I think he just saw the look on my face. And he goes, well, nothing's going to change. It's going to be the same. <laughs> no, and I haven't been to Park City since. <laughs> so, yeah, it would have been, I don't know, Natalie just turned 13, so yeah. it's probably been 14, 14 years ago. And uh, just before I went to Park City, we found out Noel was pregnant, and we were riding a chairlift up, and it's just like Jimmy described. A beautiful day. We went out early. We snowboarded all day. Around 2 or 3 in the afternoon, I was like, oh, yeah, guess what? We're going to have a kid. And uh, Jimmy goes, who am I going to snowboard with? And I was like, don't worry, nothing's going to change. Fast forward 15 years, I haven't been to Park City since. Have you last been? time we snowboarded together. Yeah, it probably, oh, it, probably really? was. it probably was the last time we snowboarded together. Do you right, still snowboard, Jimmy? That. No, when I left Park City in 2011, that was the last. Uh, that's, I haven't been on skis since then. So wait, how long? 11? Twelve be, years. You think I could keep up now? Twelve years. Ooh. No. no. Oh, I still don't think I got. <laughs> he's over here. Maybe. He's over here rolling his yeah. eyes when you're talking him up, and he's like, "Nah, you couldn't beat me." So, <laughs> Jimmy, uh, you're gonna have to fill in part of this because I've never done it. and Don't understand it. I wear soft boots. Uh, I guess what I do is called freestyle snowboarding. You do both. You'll freestyle snowboard with soft boots, and you also wear the hard boot like clip-ins. And I would tell you, there is not a chance I'm keeping up with you on that thing. Um, that is that is intense. You you move. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just a different style of, and it's it's more for racing or carving. There was a place uh, in Park City that would take our picture, and we had it taken one time. And you're kind of cresting this hill, and I don't know. I thought I looked super cool, and I was standing up and looking like an idiot. And then my picture, I was like, "Man, I'm gonna buy that picture. That's the best twenty bucks I ever spent." And I looked at Jimmy's, and he's basically laying down, but not falling, just cutting an edge Ooh. so hard, like literally just laying down, making a turn. And I was like, oh, man, my picture sucks. <laughs> I was so pumped. Mine was so good until I saw yours. <laughs> what, did, what, what did Mike's look like? Uh, he didn't get a picture. Oh. He, was, <laughs> he wasn't about to pay $20 no, for a picture. Yeah. He was not going to do that. I was going to say, that makes a lot more sense. Mike was the guy standing in line and took a picture. Yeah. This is right when cell phones came out. He took a picture of his picture um. and I paid the 20 bucks. You're right. We have not snowboarded together since then. You no. should go out. The conditions are awful, but you could go out. Yeah. By the time this airs, conditions will be awesome. Oh, actually, yeah, yeah. it's supposed to get super cold this it's week. It's right? real. It's, it's just nice really icy, and there's week. still pretty limited terrain. Yeah, well, they're, so they're waiting to groom, right? That's the yeah. yeah we okay. learned that from Steve. Yeah, the, the water has to settle. Mm -hmm, so squirrel mm -hmm. cages, the typical giant whalebacks and moguls, and they'll wait until I the absolute last minute. Are there on Facebook, yeah, they're uh, yeah they're on squirrel cage. Yeah. Oh, not on Face. Um, squirrel. Maybe. They've <laughs> been on Facebook, but they're on Face. they've been blowing on Face though. There's big ones on Boulder, so I think they'll open that any day. I think I heard a story once. I might be wrong, but how uh -oh. did you meet John in the way where, like, he came to work at Rayleigh Realty? Ooh. Because I thought you were involved. I know my version. Let's see what your version <laughs> is. I can tell mine first if you want. It's up to you. Yeah, go ahead. And One, yeah. two, three, go. John. No, I, so the way, and it's it's a long process, but the way I originally remember it was, um, I don't remember if I had started selling real estate, I guess probably about the same time I started selling real estate, I made these coupon books. And um, I would go around to all the restaurants like D Creek Brewing Company, and uh, I think McClive's was around back then or whatever. And I made coupons where you'd buy this coupon book, and it would save you $10 off your dinner or something, right? Well, I don't think Jimmy really gave two craps about buying this coupon book from me, but I sold him a couple of them. And in my opinion, you saw that I had good sales. Uh, I don't know, 25. I don't know how old it was, 23. However old it was, uh, good potential, I guess. And then I got into real estate and some stuff kind of went awry. 
And I came to Jimmy and I was like, hey, I really like doing this. Can you help? And that's my version. Yeah, that's that's a really good version. That's how I remember it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No, I mean, John was started and, he's, you know, John's always thought outside the box. And I'm not that smart. Never even graduated high school, but I know how to spot talent. And, you know, I saw something in John and I thought that... Uh, with the help and the guidance of the partners and everybody we had at Rayleigh's, he could be what he's way surpassed what we thought we, he could be and and has just kept kept the pedal down. Thank you, because the coupon books failed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah we, it was a great concept, but, you know, I don't know. I love that every episode we learn about another one of your schemes. Oh, like, no, last this, week uh, we learned about the smoothies. It's always about paper, though, yeah. right? Like the, 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 the uh, raffle tickets and then r- oh, placing yeah. the wrapper on them and then uh, No, the I literally, uh, if you really want to know the whole background of that, um, I was applying for jobs and I went to an interview and there was a company that did that outside of D.C. somewhere. And I was like, I can do that. And so I literally, uh, I took my mom and dad's computer to make the coupon book and I went to Staples and bought a printer and then I bought a paper perforator thing so you could pull it out. That's how I went into business. I was 75 bucks in and uh, it all worked out in a different way than I had planned. I'm imagining <laughs> like these golden yeah. tickets like for Willy Wonka. <laughs> like, oh, this is the no, best coupon ever. You, it was done on a home computer before laser printers. So if uh, if you spilled water on it, oh, no, the coupon book was destroyed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, most of your time you're waiting for it to print out. My goodness. It was, I look at it as opening one door so you could open the next. <laughs> <laughs> It just showed initiative and uh, what you're capable of, and you know, been very proud of you ever since. And you've done done a really good job. But at some point, you're probably going to have to quit talking about what you've done on the podcast. Because, Why? Well, because you'll get arrested. Oh well, there are a few things we're not going to talk about. <laughs> the general public doesn't know what we minutes, cut out. Twenty nine minutes. <laughs> Noted. <laughs> now it's been fun, and uh, that's the cool thing. I think where you're getting into a minute ago. Um, I knew if you really look at me, and this hopefully I'm leading into you. Um, I I knew that I knew what I liked to do. I, I knew that I didn't like living in a city. I knew that I didn't like being stuck in traffic. I knew that I and sometimes I think I'm crazy, but I didn't know I didn't want to work a nine to five. I knew what I didn't want to do. I knew that I wanted to live in an area. I brought it up last week. Like uh, I I know this sounds stupid, but. Uh, I can't imagine living in an area where I can't ride a four-wheeler. I can't imagine living in an area where I don't ride a jet ski. That's just not where I want to live. So I knew I wanted to live here, and I had to make my way and find out. And uh, it is. Uh, it's, it's funny. Everybody says, oh, man, you're the whole overnight success. Dude, the first 20 businesses I started totally failed. I mean, just bombs. But in my opinion, it's the way to learn. It's the way to get here. And um, maybe there's maybe I should have went to Harvard instead. That might have been easier. Not probably been harder. But um, <laughs> anyway, I got here. And um, I think that's what I've learned from you over the years, too. Uh, I didn't know for a long time that you didn't graduate high school. Um, your story, if you want to talk about it, why you didn't graduate, is actually pretty great. But uh, um, look at where you went. And maybe if you would have graduated high school, maybe you went to college, maybe you went to Harvard, would be here, but maybe not. I mean, you, you've, in my opinion, you found an area that you loved. Your family was established here. And you said, I can do what they're doing and I can make it better and keep rocking and rolling. And uh, your name's pretty much everywhere. It worked out. Yep. Well, I did great. And uh, I did get a GED. Oh, you did. All right. Yeah. Sweet. There you go. So, and I did go to college for <laughs> a semester. There you go. But uh, I did get kicked off the bus when I was uh, 12 or 13 years old, and a friend, Jeff Bell, picked me up 
and that was probably the last time I went to school. <laughs> <laughs> you got kicked. I thought and, no, I thought and, the story was you went skiing like in steamboat, and you were like, "Mom, I'm not coming back." Uh, I went to Vermont. Okay, and um, I was with Rich Orr. That was a, <laughs> which Rich Orr? Yeah, the Rich Orr that we yeah. So. <laughs> The thing I want to touch on a little bit was about what you found and what you like. And what I found and what I loved was going to work with my friends. And uh, Tommy Thayer, Russell Bounds, uh, Billy Weisgerber, Rich Orr. I mean, four of us went to high school together. They're a little older than me, not Russell. Uh-huh. Yeah. But, uh, but it was going to work every day was just a way to get away from everything else that was going on that was wrong because we had such a good time and, and we believed everything that we were doing. So it, it exponentially turned into a, a good business model. We have that too. Like I started the show talking about how crazy of a day we had, Mike, right? And today I will chalk it up. It was a pretty bad day, right? But it was still better than what my day would have been in other areas. I got to remind myself of that sometimes. Uh, I, I, I couldn't, I don't think I've ever put on a suit and tie and went to work. Um, maybe I should. But uh, our our bad days are still better than I think a lot of people's good days are. And that's what – you forget that. And I think the cool thing about us is uh, – one of my favorite parts of selling real estate is is actually selling the real estate. Like the paperwork and all that kind of stuff and the emails bogs you down. But the, the fun part is being around with clients and showing them houses because they're like – oh my God, look at that view. And you're like, oh yeah, that is a good view. Because you just get immune to it because you see it every day and we're humans. But uh, it's when, when you take a step back and look, even though today was a rough day, it was still a pretty damn good day. It's a better day than any city that you're living in. And um, I have a, back when I was selling real estate 20 years ago, I have a really good friend and uh, kind of like your... It was a great day. We skied, we water skied, we mountain biked, we went for a running, we went out to dinner, and we're laying out in the hot tub. Dennis Friedman. Okay. And, you know, our mouths are barely out of the water because we're just so tired and we're relaxed. And I'm like, man, I can't wait to retire. And he just sat up. And, <laughs> so he's head of cardiology. He's super stressful, like, you know, big time in, in D.C. in the area. And he just, he has what are you going to retire from? Like people aspire to do what we did today. That's what they're dreaming. And you do it every day. And it's, you, you said when you stopped and looked at the, the sunset or the river or the skyline, like, yeah, we do it every day. And it's, it's, it's a lot of work, a lot of stress, but it's a, a great, a great way to live. It's a good wake up call. It reminds yeah, you, it reminds oh, yeah, you this is actually a pretty good life. We, we've joked about this and, uh, I honestly don't think I'll ever retire, and honestly, we can say you haven't either. Um, yeah. I think what you do is you slow down, and, and I don't have any desire to ever retire. <laughs> that's, that's a poem. Um, but uh, Really? Or, no, or I just, just rhyme? Is it, or did you just make that up? Yeah, no, I really did. That's a good bumper sticker. We can put a TM after that. That's a bumper sticker. But Logged. That's the that's the point to it. As long It's cliche. As long as you do something you like, whatever. But... I actually enjoy what we do. Now, someday I do want to slow down, but uh, I imagine myself being 98 years old, uh, making a deal on a Deep Creek Village unit. <laughs> Great. Maybe two a year. I'm not saying every day of the week, but uh, yeah, there's no point in ever retiring. Um, it's so cool. It is. I, it's easy to take for granted, too. You know, because my wife, she's, she's taking care of my whole life outside of real estate, let's put it that way. And, um, you know, I'm like, oh my God, I drove all over this beautiful county today you know like it's 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 easy to take for granted but it is it's 
it's a beautiful thing. We're a different breed of people, too. Uh, we talked about in the last episode, like, um, I'll notice every once in a while if I'll get kind of in a bad mood is because I don't make myself do stuff. You know what I mean? You'll get lazy. you get in the routine. If I don't make myself go snowboarding, I'll be like, oh, man, I'm not in a good mood. Well, if I just go snowboarding, I'm in a great mood. Yeah, you know what I mean? you got to make time. You've got to uh, – Jimmy, you're the one that taught me this. Um, um, it was about going to the gym. You've got to make an appointment. Like, I remember talking to you one day. I was like, man, I never make it to the gym. I always plan on doing it. And you were like, well, what if you had to show a house at 2 o'clock? What would you do? And I was like, well, put it in my calendar and show the house at 2 o'clock. And you said, well, just put it in your calendar. And that that actually made sense to me. And uh, it, it drives Noel crazy. I would literally on my calendar hang out with Natalie, take Natalie to soccer practice. But I, I do that, and I make appointments for myself, and that's the way I... Mike sees my calendar. I do, I do, and I do the same thing. And Manny hates it. I'm like, please email me. Please send me an Outlook invite to what you're talking about right now. She's like, why would I do that? Like, the you don't best understand. thing about John's social calendar is that he put my wedding in an hour and a half early. And, and he, I was still late. And he was still late. <laughs> and it literally said, Kristen's wedding and all capital letters do not be late. And it was in an hour and a half before it even started. So one of the, the best things about me is I'm not afraid to admit my flaws. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm always late. I, I I'm always late. I'm late. always late. Oh, yeah, Maybe not bad. that late, but I love like you preemptive. Like, love you. Just it was knew. a beautiful wedding. <laughs> you guys make me feel bad for being early. I'm like, am I not managing my time well? Like, <laughs> no, should I be, should I be later? Oh, no. Always late. All right. So uh, what year? So you got into biking and uh, I, I don't even I remember being in Park City with you. Uh, oh, see if you remember this. We were in Park City. We went to Sundance and we watched uh, a play or something with the guy from the office in it. Do you remember? And I'm leading this because this is where I met your friend Marty who does the biking stuff. Uh, what was that play? Hey, um, no idea. Anyway, it's kind of cool. Like the, one of the guys from the gosh, I probably should have looked like this the, up. The before main the, guy? Yeah, not not Steve Carell, oh, but okay. one of the Andy, I think from the office. Oh, Ed was Helms. In a, a play, and it was me and Jimmy, and it was in Utah, and a couple of your friends, and uh, we watched, uh, and he was there. Uh, we didn't get to meet him, but uh, we were standing ten feet away from him. But at that point, I think that was when. I think that would have been 15 years ago, and I think that's when you were saying, "Hey, look, I'm really getting into getting into biking," and that's when you started going to Europe and doing some of your bike tours. Is that right? Is it bothering you that he's saying biking and not cycling? No, it's Ooh, okay. Am I wrong? Okay. No, no, no. Make fun of me. It's cool. So it's called cycling? I don't know. Yeah, I, yeah, Nick made fun of me because I called it dirt biking. Um, so, yeah, what is, what is it called? It he, is dirt he biking. He kept saying no, dirt, dirt bike motocross. driver. Motocross. Yeah. Motocross. <laughs> yes. No, I did say driver. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you know, back. Sorry, when did you get into cycling? <laughs> <laughs> well, funny, too, because I was into the motocross, too, and I forget the name of the lake. But that's how I ended up in the hospital with everything broken in, back when I was, like, uh, 12 years old, too. Basically like Nick. Nick's broken. Yeah. Like I would, <laughs> but back, yeah, like 50 years ago, though, when you have a compound fracture, you have to lay in the hospital, and they put weights on your leg to pull your bone back together till it heals. Ugh. No, There's no pinning it right away. It's clever. But, I would quit after that, too. It's not that much fun. Nah, it wasn't that much fun. But... Um, so for snowboarding, there was a gentleman, and uh, we he and I would compete at the national levers, level snowboarding. And if he wasn't a, a winner, then I won the following year. And uh, he actually put a team together that wanted to go do the Tour de France as an amateur group, and he had the money to do it. So that was 2005. 
2004. You see the guy I was thinking about? You probably don't remember. We went to dinner with him one night and then went to that thing. I remember being a really cool guy. He he was a writer for U.S. Postal, but that was just a friend. It wasn't the, the guy okay. that started, you know, uh, what I still... 17 years later, still, like, you know, we, I'm fortunate enough to still go back to Europe every year and, and cycle. So you're the guy that's a good enough cycler, cyclist, that, uh, cyclist <laughs> and uh, you took your training wheels off. Yeah. So you figured out how to take your training wheels off. You hooked up with this guy and you guys do the promotion. Like, say I'm a wealthy guy and I want to ride the Tour de France and I need help because I don't know where the path is or I may not make it up the hill. Like, I remember seeing a picture of you one time where a cycler was going up a hill and you were behind him actually giving him like a little push and i have no idea who that guy was and uh hopefully you weren't pushing him over but i was like holy shit i couldn't pedal up that hill and you were pedaling hard enough to help push that guy up the hill yeah i mean you know it's like this is a steep hill yeah it's steep and they're long and and no one can just go do the tour you know i don't do the tour de france but there's uh the the people that want to try to ride certain parts or back in 2004 we actually rode the tour de france but not in the tour de france it's right. the day before but yeah i mean you if your guy's rich enough and he has enough people then you can help and help him make the way around the trip and and, and complete as much as he wants to complete so you know, when i re- do retire can i just drive the van i won't yeah. be i won't be able to cycle next to you guys yeah like i mean the, the currently and the same person that's been the last 15 years, we have 17, 15 to 17 staff, meaning 15 to 17 people that get paid yeah. for three to four him and his few sons. And and your pictures are amazing. Like, yeah. I'm sure it's a workout yeah, that you wouldn't believe crazy. and it's something you're into. Yeah. Uh, again, you found a way to make a job. Found a way to make like a yeah. doing. <laughs> And it's it's been amazing, and I thank him. And uh, so, where's your favorite place to cycle in Garrett County? Because you've done the Savage Man a billion times. The Savage so. Man is still one of the toughest rides I've ever done. Okay, and the bi- diabolical double bounce on that because you told me you were at a ride somewhere. I believe you were in Chile, and I remember you. I remember his saying, "Hey, how was it?" And I think you sent me a picture, and you were sweaty and bloody, <laughs> and I think you said, "I just cried." Like I remember, maybe it was uh, what was the one in Colorado? Have to see that or whatever. document was it? Was it tougher than that? Like, is it up there in that level? Yeah, it's like everything. Everything has its own components and its own. You know, there's some something of everything's hard or easy. You're being very modest right now, which is yeah. cool. But I mean, some of the stuff I've seen you do is not. Uh, I've, cri- a, I've an, cried. An average a- person could not do what it, that bike race I was talking about. Um, an average person could not do. What's the one? Leadville. Leadville's tough. Yeah. Okay. And it's because it's all above 10,000 feet. So the distance um, and the terrain isn't bad, but you start at 10,000, you climb up to 14, 13,500, and it's, you know, an eight-hour day above 10,000 feet. So I've cried a lot. Um, I'm not where, just where's races. Denver at? I can relate. By the way, in comparison, Denver. It's, a, it's mile high, 5280. Yeah. So it's, it's half the distance. Of what, where this... It's almost three... Denver's 5,280 because it's the mile high. Right, right, This right. is 13, almost 14,000. Right. Yeah, yeah, I was like, wow, crazy. look how Jimmy knows his math. And I was like, oh, yeah, it's a mile high. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, how does he know how I... Oh. I like how I literally said it first. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> she did. Oh, <laughs> well, yeah. We've been picking on each other as yeah. much on this show. I know, you're busy. But yeah, cycling and all that's been a great part cycling. of my life. But, you know, it, it's all because of... Everything, you know, we all know in our own lives, like, you know, every little instance put you where you are today that's 
you've done over the last 30, 40, or 60 years. And I've been really fortunate, worked really hard also, but it's it's been wonderful, you know, starting in Garrett County. It's a challenge. Like, you think about it, go back when you were your parents, probably how you were raised. Renting the cabins was a challenge. Then you had to figure out to develop the cabins. Then you developed the timeshares. Then you developed the, or they weren't timeshares. They were condos. And um, um, I forgot it. I feel like you told me at one time you developed 350 units. Is that correct? Probably if you counted lots, houses, condos, it's over 300. That's a lot. Yeah. Um, Unfortunately, if I'd have kept just two or three of those, I wouldn't have had to do the other 298. And, <laughs> that was going to be my And follow. I would have made as you much money. Yeah. <laughs> but you can't, can't do that. But yeah. you yeah. can't do that. So it's yeah. what we talk to people who should have bought in 2000, yeah. right? <laughs> you know, the, I, have a, you know. I just sold a house that you had sold back in, I don't know, 1970. I think you sold it for $80,000, and I sold it uh, two months ago for just under a million. Yeah. But but who knew? Like I mean, and you couldn't have held on to it for all those years. But uh, no, that's that's a legit story. You called me and you were like, "Hey, there's people selling that house, and uh, you remember which one it was? And I, you'd sold it for eighty or hundred thousand, and I just sold it for nine eighty, let's say. I think back in the day too, because you had you mentioned Karen Spiker. I think one of the first houses I built, I traded her a car for the log package. Nice. Oh my gosh! Yeah, because she was mountaineer log siding and helped out, and then that was. Kind of like one, you know. What car there. was it? Is it a Mazda nice Miata? <laughs> it's a nice car. It's a nice caddy. I think she has a. It's a Mercedes, red Mercedes, right? Oh, it's, Is that the one? It was a blue one, but she has a red one. Now. Yeah, she has a red yeah. one. Yeah. I did a deal with her one time, and I don't remember it, but I was on the other side. I got the car. And, uh, <laughs> it is it is a white Mercedes. It we it is in my mom and dad's driveway in Florida, and it is a rust bucket. So, uh, Karen, if you have to listen to this, it's been 20 years. If you want the car back, let us know. It's more humid it's in, in Florida. Florida. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's funny because I remember one deal I had with you. You took a car of mine, and I took a car of yours. It, this is the and life. Both of them were lemons. That's what I love about Mary County. <laughs> yeah, no, both of us sucked. Most people deal. don't understand this. Like it is, it's it's in our. I, I we just I, want to sell something. Yeah, you're born with it. I don't know how. We had, we had went to the movies or something, and uh, uh, we just I don't know. We ended up selling each other our cars in yeah. a house at the same time. Yeah. I, I don't know. How that John's like, I think Noel wants a bigger car, and I'm like, well, I think Nalina wants a smaller car, and we're like, well, fuck. Why would we do that? Just, I'll take your car. I remember it was I, it was my birthday or I don't remember my birthday or my dad's birthday where Uno's and you guys came you came and I just remember sitting there telling you about something I did that day and I don't want to bring up the details but it literally became one of the biggest deals we ever did like uh, uh, just having a random conversation I was like hey man what do you think about and it, it turned out to be a huge deal um, that's just how being around the right people the people who think the same you knew a guy who I knew a guy and that's just uh, that's how it works. And, you know, and that goes, you know, we can go back in time into the 90s when we had our office up on 219 and, and Russell and everyone will tell you, or Billy will tell you all the stories. But, like, we honestly had probably 20 people in a 1,200-square-foot area. I don't know how that worked. Like, so, Kristen, <laughs> that was the original D Creek Lodging office. That's yeah. where we okay. yeah, into. Yeah. Um, we started D Creek Lodging. It was actually called FRBO Bookings at first, turned into D Creek Lodging. Now it's become really vacations. But um, our first office office is the one Jimmy's talking about. And we moved into there eight or nine years ago, whatever it was. In FR, you're talking about FRBO bookings, though, but that yeah. was the in the 80s. And it was teeny tiny. Yeah. Like, the, we had yeah. four employees. You guys had, like, 30 in there. Um, Is that where, like, Millhouse? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah okay. Yep. Yep. So, you, I mean, you know, Bob Prunell designed. 
it came after, you know, we talked about Rayleigh Cottages. Uh, you know, somehow I ended up with Rayleigh Cottages in the 80s. And by 84, I was building townhouses. Lloyd Hensley buys them, turns them into timeshares, right. which is a whole other episode. Um, I get money. We build a new office. You know, everything's great. But uh, to tell you the size of it, when, you know, Billy was on one side, I was on the other side. Russell, Tommy, Kevin, Rich, Susan, Tim, Ed Browning, my mom, my dad. Basically, your desk was like we're sitting right here. I mean, you know, Tommy was the only other side of me. Russell couldn't even stand up in his office because <laughs> the roof went down so oh, much. Oh, you went up to the, Remember when yeah. you go up the stairs and go to the right? That was, the roof yeah. went down. That was Russell's space. And, awesome. and if you can imagine, I wouldn't even call it an office. No, that was a space. If you can imagine Russell, you know, but... He's not quiet on the phone either. No one was. Well, (laughs) gotta love that as as somebody who's coming up in sales, though. You know, you have access to all you know the little nuances of what's going on. Yeah, yeah. The newer agents, we love you, but you don't get it. Like they all have offices (laughs) and stuff like that. Um, Get out of your office and go stand next to somebody who knows what they're doing, and don't let them see you. (laughs) You probably did this to me on purpose. My very first desk at Rayleigh Realty was like a a school, like a eight year eight. Eighth grader school desk sitting outside of Nancy Trotter's office, and yep. uh, um, I didn't fit in the chair. <laughs> it was like, uh, and I was like, "Why am I doing this?" And I was, I was, because I was in the center of everything. I heard everything everybody said. You walked by, Mike walked by. I heard everything, and there was no privacy. My second desk was the same thing, but a little bit bigger, next to the coffee pot. Like, I sat next to the coffee pot, which is where you want to be in here, everybody. Which is where my first desk was. There you go. Yeah, it there was. You know. yeah. Everybody kept telling me, this is where John Bell used to sit, you know? I mean, big things, big things, big things happen. Big things coming. <laughs> right. John was. Somebody said that to you. Yeah. For sure. Was it me? Russ I said that to you? No, you. I didn't even know who you were. I never even met you. I'm like, okay. John used to sit by the coffee desk. <laughs> coffee my third desk was your dad's old desk, and Ooh. I still remember it. Now, I, I, I remember feeling special when I got the desk, and it was... Uh, I mean, it wasn't, it, not that it was not nice, but it wasn't a nice desk by any means. It was just an old desk. It had a bunch of stuff carved into it. I don't know. But uh, it made me feel special because I had your dad's old desk. Funny story is, my first desk was your old desk, and my first chair was your dad's chair. Oh, there you go. Oh, there you yeah, go. yeah, the leather rolling chair. The leather, chair. The, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Then Kristen remodeled the office and threw it away. No, I'm kidding. I have no idea. Nope, it's it at my house. <laughs> <laughs> no. I don't have it. I don't know what happened to it. Everyone needs to be in the same office, and everyone needs to know and feel like they're part of something. And and it makes a big difference. I mean, I can remember at the other office when Rich and Susan Bell and my mom, they were building some houses. And and we know Susan. Susan's a lovely person and, and never high strung or nothing goes wrong. Love you, Susan. We love you, Susan. <laughs> but her and my mom were arguing about something. And, you know, Susan picks up a roll of desk and, wing, you know, wings it at my mom. And Rich is watching everything because we're sitting and he runs upstairs to get me. But... By the time he gets me back downstairs, they're like picking out toilets again. Like, you know, it was, it was like that. You know, it happened. They got along pretty they well. They got along And great. they were very successful. I, I lost track of how many houses how many, they You did. see the houses, too. So the the thing that gets lost, and it's not just at Raley's or Garrett County. It's, it's with everyone is the history. And uh, it's everyone thinks, well, Jimmy goes and skis or, you know, or John's out in Hawaii, but like they don't know the 20 or 30 years or the 40 years or the 60 years that that led up to that point. So 
it's you always have to take things with a grain of salt. One of my friends was listening to our podcast, and I was talking about Nick's episode. We interviewed Nick, and I think we did really well in the beginning of Nick's episode. Let's say the first forty minutes of Nick's episode, I thought was pretty good. I thought we did. I thought we did really well. The last 20 minutes, I thought was just a total giggle fest. I was like, goodness, <laughs> we're Kristen, having we such a good time. Like, <laughs> I, I think if you know us, you would find that entertaining. But for the average person, I was like, the last 20 minutes, all we did is sit around and giggle at each other. And I was talking to my friend about it. And he goes, no, that just proved that you guys are that good of friends. Yeah. And that's what's kind of weird about this. So uh, we've, we've got more people scheduled. But everybody on here, we're having the podcast are our good friends. We have a lot of good friends, and we're all it, we're all kind of the same. We all live here. We do the same thing. It was just it was a neat comment for me because I was I was kind of feeling down about us. I was like, oh man, we really messed that up. And he goes, no, you're looking the wrong way. You guys are all close friends. And that's the same thing you were yeah. just saying. And, and yeah, and you mentioned my dad. You know, no, he didn't work a lot, but he had the fr- good for him. yeah good. <laughs> and, you know, and he wasn't stressed a lot. You know, but he had a lot of. Good friends. I mean, the, you know, the chief of police, the commission, everybody that ran, you know, there was like eight people in Garrett County and and they all drank at the round bar and, you know, Wendell Beitzel and Ruth Beitzel and Rail and, you know, Gary Yoder and like these are names if anyone still alive listening to the podcast, you know, you'll know who Ed Browning, like all these people in the history, Charlie Moran, it's just... It's I just crazy. talked to Charlie yesterday. Yeah. He's still alive. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's still alive. But I mean, like, you know, I used to ride around in the police car, you know, with the state police, the head of the state police, or Gary Yoder, the head game warden on Deep Creek Lake in the boat. And like, you know, it, it wasn't like cops and if robbers. Anyone listening to this podcast knows Gary Yoder. When you just said his name, they smiled. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't know what it was about that dude, but... uh. I'm going to talk about the top 10 funniest people I've ever met, along with Tommy Thayer. A lot of people don't talk about I – don't, I don't know how – Tommy sailed off in the sunset. You don't hear much from him anymore. But uh, Tommy is one of the – Tommy and Gary Tommy's Yoda the funniest are two person. of the funniest people I've ever met in my entire life. And I, I just talked to Tommy the other day and thanked him for the years that we had of fun and friend and coming to the work. And, and he has – the funny thing about Tommy is you think, no way, like you're lying. And but it's like, no, that happened to Tommy. Like he, he oh, it happened to him. It, uh, it was hilarious. He was a good storyteller. Yeah. Okay. So there is a rumor and a story, and you may have been there, you maybe can't confirm this, I don't know, but it's been going around for years. There's a rumor that all those guys you just talked about, and possibly you, were at the boardwalk at the round bar one night, and somebody dared your dad that they couldn't get like Ollie North on the phone. And they started making phone calls and they got to him? That's not true. The true part is they were sitting in the living room of our house. Okay. And then they got him on the phone? And I remember the yellow phone that hung on the wall with the 30-foot cord and they were calling Gaddafi. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And it was Gary Yoder and Al Lemley and my dad and, you know, I I forget the guys that were there. But it went on, you know, just drinking and smoking and... We're going to, oh, you know, Qaddafi, and it was when they were bombing. I I forget what he was doing at that point, but it wasn't good, you know. Kristen? Mm-mm. <laughs> He's bombing somebody in Libya. No, I don't even know who you're talking about. Andrew Qaddafi? Oh, my God. Uh, anyway, a really, a really bad guy. <laughs> a really bad I'm guy. Sorry. And I'm sorry. And wherever child. he was from, Kuwait or whatever it is. Not Kuwait, but anyway. So it went on for a little bit, and they actually, because... Gary, who's passed away, so they can't go back and arrest him. But, like, he worked for this—he worked downstate at the Capitol or something. So he knew an extension to get an operator, again, 50 years, 40 years ago. 
But it finally got to the point because they were getting his palace and they were like talking and they were answering back. This is before back. the what? internet. You can't Google <laughs> people's number. Like no. you have to be connected to get it. And, and my history sucks too. I, I, but they just said, I want to talk to Qaddafi. And they, yeah. so finally they got through and then they got hung up on. And within about five minutes, the State Department says, you boys having some fun up there? And they're like, yeah, we're having some fun. And they're like, we might not want to call them anymore because we're listening. True, wow. true story. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. It was, it was quite the group. That's I funny. found that out uh, with some of my clients. It's kind of funny. Um, when you have a client that says they work for the State Department, you really just don't know. You just uh, don't know. <laughs> when the State Department calls you, you don't know who it is. But uh, hey, I hope you guys are listening to just this. Know that, yeah, just know that they're listening. <laughs> if you're going to listen to this, that's yeah. great. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're not listening right now, right? They're listening oh, in I... three to four weeks. Your cell phone is right behind you. You're friends with Mogi. They're listening, listening to all your phone calls. Oh, by the way. Kristen met Mogi. I did Whoa, meet Mogi. How did that go? It was great. Yeah, was, he's excellent. It, yeah, it was like a it was fun. <laughs> this is, this is my friend signing. that nobody knows exists except Kristen. Now actually met him. You think he's an imaginary him. friend? Uh, but Mike talks about him a lot, and so you actually he's got met a big him? beard. I met him, and I know his oh. first name. And he Mo- loves Garrett County very Mo-B? much. Mogi. Oh, not like Mowgli the That's Tarzan exactly boy. Exactly what I thought. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, from Jungle Book, Jungle right? Book. No, 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 Mogi. And I thought it was Italian. It's not. Mm. What is it? So where did you meet him? He didn't tell me. Uh, at his house. He had the little Christmas party. Oh, the Christmas party that I didn't make it to. The one that you didn't make it to. Anyway, okay. back on track. I want to talk about, so you did a lot of the developments at Deep Creek. So as someone that doesn't do anything like that, how do you pick a piece of land and decide how to split it up? Like when you're doing this in the 80s and the 90s, you know, all the developments that you did, how did you pick it and, and decide what you wanted to do when you have that much decision-making to do? Like, you get a giant 25-acre piece of ground. Like, how do you know where to go first? There's not much left now, right? I mean... No, they did it all. Yeah, that's what I mean. <laughs> yeah. I don't, you know, honestly, I can't tell you how you would say, I'm going to develop that piece of land. If it was just something, if it was available and you could get it for the right price, then you could make the numbers work because... Of all the great developments I did, there's a lot of developments that were still great. Deep Creek Village was supposed going to be one of my greatest, or you know, uh, our partners and everyone, but ended up not to be because the market went bad. So it's it's every. If you could have just kept it, it's doing great if, now. If I yeah, could, it's it is, doing great. Dude, you're selling. In 2022, it is amazing. You would be a billionaire. I think. I, I mean, it was, you're it was selling one unit for what we sold eight units for. So, but but again, it's. Uh, everyone said, how did you do it and whatever? Like, I didn't do it. I was I was just smart enough to get the right people and surround myself with the people that knew what to do. And a lot of the times it worked out. But, you know, it's quite obvious if you're like Lake Point and, you know, you have the wisp and you have the waterfront and you have all the views and you're like, well, that's a no-brainer. Well, yeah. it was a no-brainer. But then, yeah. you know, you're looking at somewhere out on the end of, you know, Lake Forest or Sandy Beach, my best friends, you know, that did Sandy Beach. I didn't want to do any part of that, John and John and Jeff. Yeah. They wanted to, you know, and I'm like, yeah, no, that's never going to sell. And like, holy shit, like <laughs> Sandy Beach. Out. Yeah. Like your generation though, you guys as developers, you guys were luckier because you didn't have as many rules. Okay. Nowadays we have so uh, many rules, but you were also unlucky because you didn't have the guidance of those rules. Like it's weird. Like, uh, we more tech. I remember watching you at one point in time, I think it was Deercrest maybe you actually mapped that out with a, with a pencil and a piece of paper and a ruler. 
Um, nowadays, we don't have to do that. We, no, we now it's all CADs and yeah. engineers it's and everything oh, like CAD that. CAD is amazing. But and we again, have 50 years of experience to go off of. Like I'm lucky because I, I get to look back and see what you did, and I'm like, oh, that was a good idea. That was a bad idea. You didn't have that. No, but we, you know, the the, the beauty, you know, it's it's everything. Like because we didn't have the fire marshal to say back then either. But, but you had something else. But we had something else. <laughs> you know, we had something that was more constrictive that came every time we did something. So we started with least constrictive, but, you know, by the end, it was more constrictive. So that was just norm. And then going with what you're doing now, you know, you're starting and you still have constrictive stuff too that will just keep getting more constrictive and harder to do. Well, the next generation will look back and be like, oh, man, I wish we could do that. Yeah, uh, and you're like, holy shit, that was terrible. And I was like, <laughs> I couldn't do what you do now because there's no way I could do what you I remember sprinkler systems. When oh, sprinkler yeah. systems first came out, I think it was 2008 they became mandatory. I was like, oh, my God, what are we going to do? Nowadays, we do them every day. Yeah. You know, it just you figure. You know, and, and like, how long does it take you to get a building permit? Not too long. So I... Well, it depends. It depends. I'm using a touch-tone phone, and I'm, I'm like oh, pretending no. I'm touch-tone. Where I'm, I'm calling somebody. <laughs> I'm like, I'm calling somebody. I'm like, hey, I need to build this. And they're like, okay. That where, was my building permit. Where I'm saying not too long, I'm talking about a month. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, <laughs> you making one phone call, yeah. to me saying not long is about a month. Yes. Uh, yeah. Um, so, but again, it, everything still gets constrictive and 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 there's always there's always more regulation who picked the names for the subdivisions Ooh, did you like really one. go back and forth on it or did somebody just have a really good one out the gate I mean, deep creek village is pretty original okay but lake point <laughs> lake point is cute no lake point's great it's, it's, it's from, a point on the from lake. what i remember it was just you know myself and the mccann's and the mccann's were the owners of that and we started with the deep creek village and then myself and three other partners but I mean, that's the point of the lake, so but, Lake Point. But Lake Point, which, uh, I've heard about this Lake Point Inn, right? Yeah. When it's I amazing. first started moving here, right? When I, Mike Emmons, who used to work with National Land Partners, guy is, you know, a multi-million dollar, in, you know, developer, always stayed at the Lake Point Inn. Loved it. Would rave about it. So that was part of this development, or was no. it there before? It, it was, was the original farmhouse. It was the original McCann's farmhouse, and... A a uh, a client that I met years before George Petty became a good friend. He was a he was a home check services out of Virginia, who which we didn't even have home inspections here at that point. But he came up and he was buying a lot of property, and and you know we became friends, and that was Pine Breeze and Lake Point and Lake Shore. I forget the developments we did together, but his dream was always to have a Lake Point bed a bed and breakfast. So when that. That when we started talking about Lake Point and the McCann property, he's the one that actually converted that and did everything to make it the bed and breakfast. Who was there, a, there's a picture of Noel standing in front of the Lake Point bed and breakfast, yeah. which would have been early 80s, maybe yeah. 1980, I don't even know. She would have been two or three or four years old. And the Lake Point Inn, I don't want to say a dilapidated farmhouse, but it was an old farmhouse. It was pretty it's dilapidated. Pretty bad. And nothing else. Yeah. And Noelle's grandmother's house was across the street, which her parents bought and where she grew up. But uh, you got to imagine in 1980, that beautiful bed and breakfast you're talking about, which is which is amazing, was a dilapidated old farmhouse. Yes. Yeah. And just terrible. But that's that was... So the names just come... You know, I forget the names, but it's, it's not that inspiring and... 
There wasn't like a ray of light that came down and we're like, oh, ta-da. 40 years, not like, not like not salty when after yeah. we won the dragon boat race, we're sitting outside of a pub going, wow. Yeah. It was kind of like that. So 40 years later, it is very easy to sit here and be like, or not 40 years, 30 years, whatever it is. It was very easy to sit here and say, uh, no, that's a no-brainer. Lake Point's the most beautiful, one of the most top 10 beautiful properties in the state of Maryland. At that time, it just made me realize when, when Noel was standing there, there was nothing there. Like, Noel's family's house was a two-bedroom cottage across the street. Nothing fancy, just a little two-bedroom cottage. There, The Wisp was basically, I don't know, a, a fire engine truck with a rope tow. And, uh, <laughs> was, um, I mean, it had gone from there. But uh, you, you took a huge risk. Like, uh, it, was, it wasn't like... Well, back then, too, I mean, you know, I, I forget what it was, but it was over a million, a million you know... It was a lot of money million 40 years ago. A ton of money 40 years yeah. ago. That'd be 10 and million today. It, was, mi- 20, it was, was a million and a half, I think. And then that's just to buy the land. And then you go from there. But every project seemed like that. I mean, uh, 1984, I mean, you know, uh, when I started building the townhouse, I mean, you know, I was 20 years old and I went to the bank and they lent me money. And, you know, we started a million dollar project with townhouses. And so... Yeah, it's it's always a risk, you think, but some you know the risk and reward. I remember the first time I went to First United Bank to get a loan, they turned me down. And uh, Phil, if you're listening, <laughs> that was a very good idea. <laughs> um, at the time, I disagreed with you, but uh, that was a good idea. So it is not easy to get a loan when you're uh, 20 years you. old. No. So they believe not now. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, you know, it was just a it was just a great time for everything. Is there something you miss about the area that's changed in the last you know since you've been a kid? Well, who's you're the oldest person here besides me? Are you 44? I'm 45. So, I turn 46 next month. So what, what everyone yesterday. says about life as you're growing up and you're going to miss it or you don't realize what you're doing or how bad you're screwing something up or, you know, making something worse than what it is and you go back and like, you know, the cottages, you know, like I would give anything to have the Rayleigh cottages back. So. Yeah. Uh, the lifestyle, obviously, who wouldn't want the lifestyle of back then? Like, yeah. uh, just not worrying about anything. You know, my grandmother rowed me down the lake in a boat, and, you know, I thought we were rowing across the Atlantic, but, you know, now it's Rock Lodge Road where Phil Rouse house big was. Lake, and, <laughs> big lake. Back then, I mean, you know, we, and she, you know, and my mom kept driving by, you know, we were going for a picnic. So my grandmother and I were rowing down which ends up being 400 yards, but, you know, it's across in the ocean. And, you know, I remember my mom driving by in the station wagon to make sure we were okay. Like, who wouldn't want that? Yeah. So. The difference was you were a kid. You weren't worried. Your grandmother was. Oh, yeah. yeah. She's <laughs> probably scared of that. That's no, called life. My grandmother wasn't worried. She's tough. I my haven't mom was. thought about Phil Rao. We need to get Phil yeah. on the show. I bet you yeah. Phil would do this. Phil, uh, Phil, if you're listening, I'm calling you tomorrow. It was, <laughs> Phil was part of the rail and the Yoder and the Lemley, and, yeah, it was, it was really good. But I, hate to beat a dead horse. I know I'm always saying I'm the outsider, but as an outsider looking in, I went to a final walkthrough one time, and um, it was on Lakeshore Drive. It was like right at one of the four corners where it turns, and um, sitting there was a green book that said the history of Garrett County, and the people who were there for the final walkthrough were late. By like an hour. So you read the book? I started reading it. <laughs> and, uh, and this was actually before we started hanging up all those cool pictures in the in the yeah. front office. And I mean, I 
I genuinely fell in love with this area all over, you know, like, because you can see what you see when you come here. And I'm not an athletic person, but I love to go outdoors, love to go camping, love to hike, all that stuff. And uh, always been attracted to water, you know. Um, and there's there's something of grit here, you know, and ingenuity. And uh, I'm, a, I'm, you know, I feel blessed to have met all of you. You yeah. know, this is a... This is a it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. The dovetail off that, Jimmy will totally invest in your camping app. Okay, fair enough. Well, <laughs> I'll do it. All right, uh, one minute, seven seconds. <laughs> We're not talking about that. Grit's a good word. I thought about it this morning. So probably, uh, I don't know, two months ago, I got down in the 30s, and I went outside, and I was freezing. I was like, oh, my hands are hurting, and it's getting cold, and I wasn't used to it. This morning, I went outside, and I was loading some stuff up in the truck, and I had a, a long sleeve shirt on, but I had a coat on. And I was like, oh, it's kind of cold. It was 12. And it's just, it's amazing how used to things you get. Now, it wasn't windy this morning. It was sunny, but it was literally 12 degrees. And uh, I'm not saying I didn't go put a coat on later, but it is it is a lifestyle. You know what I mean? And I, yeah. I think part of that's pretty it fun. It was there you so go. beautiful today. Kayak? No. What, where's that? What is that? That's me in the lake. Today? Yeah. This morning? I'm okay. so jealous. Jimmy's I'm... crazy. That is this Jimmy's morning. coming back oh. for the Deep Creek Dunk episode. <laughs> nope. Do you do that every That's day or awesome. just once in a while? Three times a week while I'm here. While no. you're here. Yeah, okay. you got to take advantage cool. of it. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so uh, two things. One is I was looking out the window in front of the house this morning. I did notice the lake started to freeze today. It was this morning. It was the today. First out of nowhere. It yeah. was nowhere. today. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It was hard to break through. And that's such a fun thing to do. Like when the lake starts freezing uh, today, obviously you planned on getting in. Yeah. Um, and I was at uh, Waterfront Greens about 12 o'clock today, maybe 1130. And it was frozen in front of there. When the lake freezes, it's fun. Uh, so you said you do that three days a week. Um, I read something. And I'm trying to do it. When you get out of the shower in the last like 20 seconds, you turn it like super cold water. Do you do that kind of stuff, or do you yeah. just jump in? It's supposedly really good for you. That no, that's one of the things I love about winter is you actually get a cold shower. Like summertime, yeah. you don't get a you don't get a cold shower. In the oh, summertime. dude, I've got well water. It's always cold. It's, <laughs> it is, oh, my water is always cold. Oh, Arizona, cold. you don't that's get awesome. cold water. I, well, it's it's the truth, man. And I was my wife. I've been trying to get her into cold showers for a while, and and I was like. Start in the summer. <laughs> start start in the summertime. Ease oh, your way I in. I love It'll... cold shower. I literally, as small of an increment as I can turn the water on, is how cold I take a shower every. Oh, day. just regularly. I just regularly. See, I don't. I don't feel like I get clean unless I wash myself in a That's hot just, shower. No, you yeah. get clean by friction. Germs and things leave well, with well, friction. Well, I don't want to work that hard. <laughs> I just stand there. Huh? <laughs> hey, uh, one of us has beautiful it? hair. Um, not me. Uh, mine is growing back though. I take um, cold showers. Hey, have you noticed? I've been taking a pill. <laughs> My hair is growing back. It actually is coming back. Uh, hey, Definitely. what about uh, uh, Neil Leverance? Didn't he jump, or doesn't he still? Doesn't he get in the lake like every day of the year? I was, yeah. He, well, it's either the lake. I don't know if he still does. Uh, or Bear uh, Creek. Bear Creek. Yeah, but I would um, be. Yeah, you'd be going Friendsville. by two nineteen, and he'd be. Oh uh, man, I didn't even think about Neil. Neil would be great for this show too. I'm, Neil would I'm be. You reminded me of a bunch of people we should talk to. Neil is the postmaster for McHenry forever. Ever. And, and, Oakland. Uh, and Oakland, and just honestly, um, insanely intelligent guy, goofy, Super fit. like uh, how, how funny. How are you a postmaster for two 
offices. Because he ran really fast. Like this guy <laughs> yeah. where Jimmy just said super fit. No, he is. He, no he probably kept up with you like super fit guy. I think he was in Oakland, but Jan worked at the McHenry post oh, office. Oh, I'm getting it backwards. Yeah. Right. Jan was his wife was uh, McHenry and he was yeah. probably Oakland. Um, wow. But Neil, don't hate me, but like you in Oakland and he would, he, he sprinted to everyone's door. Everyone loves Neil. But you'd be going by the van and the vans like, you know, going up and down, up and, and he's inside doing push-ups and setups between delivering packages. Like <laughs> he's just awesome. was an insane um, in a good way and if you want to talk about real estate his house is a long well I won't say where it is um, his house was one of the coolest houses in the world and I don't mean cool because it was a million bucks I have no idea what he spent on it just really cool character like uh, for real estate um, when I walk into his house sometimes I'm in awe it's uh I don't want to. I don't know how to describe it. It's not like a Holy Cross house. It's not like a, a mansion by any means. It's, and it's not a small house. It's just one of the coolest pieces of real estate I've ever seen. Uh, if he's listening to this, uh, Neil, you have a cool house. Yeah, yeah he does. And if you say so, we'll insert a picture right it, here. His yeah. daughter got his daughter got married there, and I mean the wedding was spectacular. That's it was awesome. Cool and uh, uh, no, he'd be he'd be great to have one. <laughs> I, yeah. I thought about him the other day because. Um, there was a, it was right in the beginning of Facebook or, I don't know, years ago. Um, he was just goofy and he was a lot of fun. There was a dead deer laying alongside 219. <laughs> and he would put on a Santa Claus outfit to go deliver the mail so the kids would be happy that, uh, you know, Santa delivered the mail, whatever. And he thought it was funny, and it, it was funny. The dead deer alongside the road, he got out of the car and picked up the dead deer and started petting it and acting like Rudolph just got ran over and... Uh, um, some people thought it was funny. Some people didn't. I personally thought it was hilarious. <laughs> uh, we've had Thanksgiving in Neil's house. Like Neil's, like we've got to get him on here. He, yeah, Neil would be good. Great dude. Yeah, he's fun. Do you have a couple questions, Kristen? No. Uh, oh, oh, the couple questions. I was like, no, we've had a great chat. Hey. Oh, okay, back on subject. Um, two questions we ask all of our guests. The first is, what are you salty about? So, and that's like what bothers you. Like what what just irks you. Like a pet peeve. Like a pet peeve, but it could it can just could be, be like current, temporary. Could be yeah. forever. When we first started this, we were going to do what are you not salty about? Because uh, the show is called Not Salty, you know, because we live in a lake and the water's not salty. But nobody cares what you're not salty about. We all know you like sunshine and rainbows and puppies, and everybody does. But uh, what really makes you mad? Ooh, he's smiling. Ooh, you don't have to answer. Yeah, I, I, I honestly, I, I mean, I, you know. <laughs> nothing comes to mind. So you're actually probably the second or third person that had done that, and uh, we may need to get a new question. You mean, yeah. you mean, not uh, having eighth a, person, eighth All person right. to not have an answer because, but that leads back to it. Uh, probably the reason why you didn't. Hard to be upset when you live here, man. You're yeah. happy, and yeah, that, yeah. that's. I, have a uh, list. I, mean, I mean, I don't know. They just stub your toe this morning. I mean, how mad can you get about that? <laughs> you well, you know, in in uh, not fairness, but like you'll. Maybe you've noticed, maybe you've not noticed, but I feel my last year, you know, what I'm really salty about was getting hit by a car on my bike. I was wondering if you're going to bring that up. But yeah. I'm also grateful because I felt that it's allowed me to reflect. And when I was in the hospital, it's like, you know, I could have read Steve Jobs' book and whatever, whoever else's book that's like, the last thing you're going to worry about is, you know, anything but being alive. When you're in a situation like that, and honestly, last year when I was in, I was, I wasn't thinking about anything but being alive and my, fa you know, family and friends, and uh, so that's not a not so. I mean, that's not 
That's so kind that's of okay. the You're salty about drivers when yeah, you're cycling. Yeah, maybe salty about the driver. Who but was I'm that thankful. guy? Let's go look him up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that did change you, like in a good way. And I, I'm not saying it changed you drastically, but I do notice that that did change you. Uh, There's um, not that much stuff important anymore. You just showed once. me that picture not long ago, and there, there's a straight-up picture of you yeah. face down on the road after getting hit by a car, and it's only funny because you're okay. Um, but the reason why it's funny <laughs> is, who took that picture? Which one of your friends? <laughs> yeah, I mean, a, why did they not try to come help you? They're like, oh, I'll help you in a no minute. No money get this years, picture. I hope. Jesus. I don't know if it was the police or the EMT. Oh, the picture okay. just showed, you know, they it were It wasn't like, Lena? No. <laughs> no, Lena was, yeah. No, not Lena. Lena's my wife. She wasn't the... It was a, there was a funny joke about that too. My, I think my mom sent this to me the other day, and it was, it was something like, "Oh, I'm sorry to hear that you know Jimmy died," and, and it was like from poison. And but the they were doing the report, and they were like, "Well, why does he have all the bruises?" And it's like because he didn't want to take the poison. <laughs> <laughs> His body was covered in bruises, but he didn't want to take the poison. So it was just something. We haven't talked about Lena at all. And then in the first couple episodes, I didn't intentionally bring up Noelle because uh, I was like, oh, Noelle's going to make fun of me. And she doesn't want to be on this. And it's not her. But then, I don't know, episode four came out and she goes, why don't you ever talk about me? And so <laughs> hopefully she appreciates this. And now I'm talking about her. But um, I don't remember the exact time you met Lena, probably 15, 20 years ago. And uh, um I, I, I remember when you first met Lena. It yeah. was at some place. Oh, that's right. Yeah, she came over. We had a party, and um, I referenced how pretty she was. Oh, it's very in a polite way. Referenced <laughs> in John Bell's inappropriate way. <laughs> I was a couple beers deep, and I got a couple high fives. Have you ever, and, have you ever um, heard of like nice John Bell, or have you always heard inappropriate John Bell? Well, we we can skip over that part, but uh, I've never um, met an appropriate John. No. Never met an appropriate. No, no, no I haven't. <laughs> it only comes out every once in a while. It only comes around my really close friends. But but it's it's funny when I don't have a filter. <laughs> um, so yeah, no, I it's was great. I was in my inappropriate. Was like, dang, Jimmy, good job, and uh, there you go, you got married to it. Yeah, so it's been go. wonderful, and it, that was life changing. Also, well, you met but, her on one of the cycling trips, right? Yeah, she was the the um, physical therapist, the doctor for the group. Um, and that was in 07. She's awesome. We all love her. Yeah, she's awesome. Thanks, Lena. Thanks, Hopefully, man. you're one of our two listeners. Yeah, she should be. And, you know, everything, you know, you guys brought up and talked about, it. thank you. It's been nice. Uh, it's always nice to talk about it, and, and hopefully it makes me remember even a little bit more. And there's so much I'm sure we didn't even cover about any topic We've got in one general. more question for you. you got to yeah. answer it. Best Honey Honey story. What is so, in the case of your first show you listen to, Honey Honey is a bar on Deep Creek, which I was thinking we need to interview Matt Smith, uh, Smitty. He's the manager. He'd be good for this. Um, Honey Honey is just a really fun bar we all go to. What is your best Honey Honey story? From what I've been told, it started, <laughs> I forget what, what's the, is it the Honey Honey's the drink, right? The red drink? Is that called the Honey? Back, the, I mean, this is okay. 40 years ago. I think we'll it was go called. With that. It was called something like Honey Ready Honey, juice. but it basically <laughs> was just punch juice and tequila and everything else. And so we're building Lakewood townhomes, condos. Uh, this is back in the 80s. And, you know, we got something completed, the roof put on or hung a door or something or whatever. So Tim, you know, uh, the leader the, of, the, of, the, of the workers and, you know, we're like, let's take everybody to the Honey Honey. 
And uh, so we went to the Honey Honey, and uh, there's pictures of me riding. Someone was cutting the grass, and I'm like bareback riding the guy cutting the grass. <laughs> <laughs> and we're in the water, and we're and again, you could do this. You could do this. this there was is, no Facebook. Yeah, yeah there's no Facebook or anything. <laughs> And then, uh, unfortunately, yeah. <laughs> legend. It, it was legendary. That was legendary. And uh, Tony Durr, Tony Durr was the contract. You know, he's carrying, you know, two of us. You know, Tony's, Tony's not a little guy. Tony, yeah, yeah, eight foot tall. So he yep. has Tim and I both just under his arms and we're walking all around and we're just do, still doing shots. But the next day, I'm showing the house that we're living in because we're selling it to these people. And I mean, there's, we threw up all over that. The dog is, you know, we threw up all over the house and in and out of the house. And the people show up the next door and the doors and the windows are open. I'm just like sweating, you know, I'm just like so hungover and the house stinks and reeks. And, you know, they, I think they would say, Oh, Jimmy's, you know, not feeling well today. And I'm like, I am sick and I'm so hungover and I'm sorry. And they they bought the house. Oh, I was yeah, they, it was Tim. It was the house on Glen, Glen, Glendale Bridge Road. But, <laughs> but it started at the Honey Honey, and I worked. That was my first job. Was pizza? It was called the Pizza Pub, and I was Honey, thirteen. Honey was, yeah, the Honey Honey was the Pizza Pub before it was the. Honey no, Honey. the Pizza Pub is where Uno's is. Okay, kinda, and it was just Paul Cornish or was one, and I forget the other guy who ran it before him, but. You know, I was 12 years old and 13 years old and working there. My cousin got me a job until midnight with Greg Johnson and all Bill, I mean, Bill Elliott and all these guys. It was just an amazing, amazing part of life. But uh, so it was the pizza pub and then the Honey Home was below it. But that was, that's whether it happened or what all happened, but that was probably the last time I drank tequila too. <laughs> that's kind of the history of this too. Well, I was thinking about uh, Mike Delegati would be good. Mike Delegati. Yeah. Um, so that's why our Uno's here, and I don't want to get into it because I don't know the specifics of it, but our, our Uno's here is not like a regular Uno's. It was basically the pizza pub, and then they turned into Uno's. So this Uno's has steaks and all kinds of stuff that a lot of people don't, and then the Honey Honey was built next to it. Yeah. It, uh, you know, it was supposed to have all the Chicago famous dishes, but because of Jim Delegati, Mike's dad, you know, they had a whole bunch of different affair or. Uh, Bears. It's it's legit. It was uh there was a documentary on it. Uh, Jim Delegati did invent the sauce for the Big Mac. He actually, I just watched this the other day. It. He invented the Big Mac. Well, there you go. Even better. He, well, the, the sauce, sauce, sauce is what you know. Well, the sauce is probably what makes it. But he invented the Big Mac. Interesting. And, and hopefully, I don't get it wrong. But a royalty from every Big Mac ever sold. You know, I heard for it was so a long. penny. That's oh, plenty. It to be a penny. I, I, it was like a quarter of a uh, penny. I mean, there's uh, 20 billion. Well, I know. Yeah, sold. but I was going to say, I heard, that's I always insane. heard that it was a penny, but so you think it's like a quarter yeah, of a penny? I, I don't know what it was. It so was, the, it was the amazing. I think that's our best own story, though. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the that best one. That might be the best one so far. I think that's the best one so far. I mean, I, however we made like the dog was sleeping. Well, I woke up with the dog and Tim and, and just, I think the dog crapped all over us because we stank so bad too it was just disgusting i I don't know how tony got us there but it was that was a bad honey story it made me think of you because it's something else you taught me along the way and uh you told that buyer what had happened you're like hey i'm looking i'm hungover what i had a great last night i'm hungover it's life and uh you taught me that in the very beginning uh this your words you taught me uh you said the truth is the easiest lie to remember and that's been with me for 20-some years. And I, I think about that. And uh, um, you never want to lie. Sales, you want to sell things, but you don't want to lie. But as long as you tell the truth, 
and you're you can not believe it. Screw up, and and I think people kind of respect that for you. Like a, a minute ago, that's why I'm okay with saying the inappropriate John comment. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> I am human. I 99 percent of the time I'm a very normal dude. Every once in a while, I drink tequila and ride somebody riding the grass at Honey Honey. Who knows? I mean, it's, it's you're not the, f- yeah, the you're- fact that you're both normal dudes is the weirdest part about you. <laughs> <laughs> Are we really? <laughs> Are we weird and we just think we're normal? Who knows? I don't know. And you're not you're not inappropriate, John. Because you're inappropriate, we just love you. It's just and, funny. It's just funny. Yeah. Because I'm comfortable. You're comfortable, here, yeah. and you, you're like, oh, that was inappropriate, John. And I think that's how it got started. <laughs> exactly how it got started. <laughs> but yeah, awesome. Thanks to you and Kristen and, and Mike and all you guys. Like it's, uh, it's not a salty. It's a it's a good thing. You know, <laughs> the greatest thing that I get to do is come back after being in Arizona. And see what you guys do and how you do it and what you've changed and how much better it is and like the the office and and unfortunately when I was stuck here I never saw anything because nothing changed when you're stuck in Garrett County it's you the same day it. by day by day but if you leave for three or six months and you come back and you're like holy shit those guys know what they're doing and like it's making a difference so that's thank my you. ultimate goal with this uh, we'll see what this po- see how far this podcast goes. If anything, I think we're kind of archiving Deep Creek. You know what I mean? Just think totally. about that. Uh, I At really want to get uh, yeah. Ed King on this show. Like the people who have been around for a long time, you can say it. Because two or three generations from now, maybe podcasts still exist and maybe somebody listens to it. Maybe somebody knows how the Wisp got started because Skeeter had a truck they hooked a rope up to. You know, yeah. uh, it yeah. is kind of cool archiving the history. Yeah, that would... It would totally be a show on Netflix if it was done. It still could be, but it would be if... <laughs> You know, the last 40 years. With, we'll start you with know, YouTube. My father and his gang and Gary Yoder and like, it was, I mean, it was the Las Vegas of deep of Garrett County. I mean, it was like you could do, go, say, drink, not show up. You could do whatever you wanted. Ski. Like, ski. <laughs> and it, it was great. And, and everybody, and not in a bad way. Everybody was really nice. Like it was, no one did anything mean. Everything you could do, because everybody was so nice and knew everyone. Like it is just funny how everyone got along. So we'll add it to the archive. The Big Mac and the Rayleigh family built Deep Creek Lake. There you go. You heard it here first. With that, we're leaving, Jimmy. Um, I can't thank you enough. Uh, you have been. An insanely positive influence in my life. I, I don't want to refer to you as a father figure because it ages you and you're not a father figure. But uh, I think the mentor is a better description. Uh, uh, man, I just got emotional when I'm saying this. Um, I uh, We left this out. I, I The other part of the story was when I got into this, uh, I remember we were at Black Bear. And I remember I had a couple of beers one night. And I was like, man, you don't understand. I was like, I want to be you. I want to do that. And you looked at me like I was a weirdo. And... Uh, that's, that's how much of an influence you've had on my life. I can't thank you enough for being around for me. And uh, thank you. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you for being you. Thank you. Thank you all, you. too. Hit the intro so I don't sob like a baby. <laughs> <laughs>